welcome to Business Reporter's Future of Banking campaign. I'm Georgie Frost. The explosion of the buy now, pay later industry has been a dream for fintechs, but it's also been a constant challenge for regulators, banks and those consumers trying to keep a pace or who fall outside of the regulatory guardrails. US regulators are planning to step up their guidance on the industry amid the risk that lack of transparency and alignment poses to consumers. But done responsibly, it can offer more options and choice for shoppers and greater revenue for banks. Still, banks are holding back. So why are they leaving the fintechs to capitalise? Well, joining me to discuss this is Eric Lee, head of Buy Now, Pay Later, point of sale product at Amount. Eric, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Before we get into the nitty gritty, just give us an overview particularly of the history of Buy Now, Pay Later and how the explosion, I guess, of recent years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to first really understand and define the term buy now, pay later. So if you think about, you know, this type of product um, that is attached to a specific purchase the customer is looking to make, this product has been around for for, for decades. Um, so if you really think about, you know, buy now, pay later as, you know, two, you know, different type of product, one being, you know, where you've seen this explosive growth in the past few years. Um, typically associated with, you know, what industry called, you know, in, in this industry, uh, people call split pay or pay in four products, which, you know, is a four installment, you know, no interest, um, you know, consumer loan with, you know, typical down payment about 25% and the remaining uh, being repaid every two weeks. And then the other one is around point of sale loan that's been, again, been around for a very long time where, it's an installment loan that, again, tied to a specific purchase um, may or may not include interest, um, typically at a fixed, you know, fixed financing charge, um, longer term than kind of the typical split pay product, um, and also, you know, typically no down payment. Um, so the huge growth really has been on the split pay or paying for for product. Um, again, I think if you've seen the growth from kind of the top five fintechs um, in BNPL, you know, I've almost seen kind of 10x um, in both the origination volume as number of outstanding loans. Um, so that's where we've really seen the huge growth. And that's where kind of where most of the stories and conversation around the regulation um, and kind of the news media, and also where a lot of the, you know, VC money has, you know, flown for the past, you know, two to three years. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of understand kind of different type of product, you know, when we're talking about BNPL um, and where we've seen most of the growth and where we will likely see more, you know, regulations um, around that paying for product. Lay out, if you would, the, the pros and the cons of buy now, pay later. Yeah. So if you really think about the growth, you know, it's all around having transparent and flexible option for a consumer to to use at the time uh, time of purchase, right? So if you think about from the main kind of you know, three main kind of users of of buy now pay later, one obviously is a consumer using this product. Um, again, it gives transparent and flexibility of payment. You know, easy to understand terms, given that it is you know pay in four every two weeks uh, with twenty five percent down payment at the time of purchase. Um, so that's where you know a lot of the growth. Um, have come from from consumer kind of speaking with their wallet and you know wanting this product, and then from the merchant perspective, it's really are around you know higher conversion um, for for their cart, 
Um, and then also seeing um, higher average order value by pro providing a financing option. And thirdly, for the lenders, you know, depending on who, what type of lender it is, but a lot of the fintech players that have grown tremendously in the past few years, so they've really used this as an opportunity to not only lend, but more importantly, to establish a consumer relationship. Um, and then, you know, really using this as a customer acquisition channel and then using it again to um, cross-sell um, other financing, you know, financial products, and then eventually really having more meaningful, you know, customer relationship, especially around the, you know, financial relationship with, with the end consumer. So what are the, the risks? What is the controversy around it? What are the regulators particularly concerned about? Yeah, so I think there are a couple areas where we've seen a lot of focus in, in regulation. So, you know, first of all, you know, paying for product, specifically around the paying for product, isn't really a regulated product in, in the U.S. And I think you've seen, depending on kind of what country or what region you're, you're in, um, we're starting to see more and more, you know, regulation. So, you know, if you really think about, um, you know, potential kind of downside, um, there are a couple that come into mind. The first one is just around, especially in the U.S., if you talk about standard disclosures and how that is communicated to the consumer. So around, you know, for Reg Z and TILA, um, you know, laws don't apply to paying for product. So it's all, all around you know, how do we provide the standard disclosure to the end consumer when they're taking out the loan? So they understand all of the charges and potential fees associated with it. Uh, number two is just around um, the furnishing to the bureaus. Um, so a lot of the split pay in general isn't reported to the, to the bureaus. Um, so all around, you know, making sure that customers um, get the benefit of making on-time payment, um, and then also for other lenders in this industry, being able to see um, how much other paying for product the customers have um, have um, have taken out um, to really understand the you know full picture of their ability to pay. Um, and then lastly, you know there are consumer protections that we have in especially in the U.S. around disputes through Regzi um, that don't exist within the paying for product. So you know some of that. You know, you've looked, you can look at, look at it as maybe a regulatory kind of arbitrage opportunity that some of the fintechs have had. Uh, but I think going forward, you know, I think it's going to, you know, level the late, you know, uh, playing field a little bit uh, for banks to be able to participate um, and participate in with the, with the same rules. Well, let's look into that a little bit more then. Are fintechs better positioned to win this race, you think, perhaps with regulation on the horizon not? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think there are kind of when we talk about fintechs, again, I think there are kind of two diff, you know, different fintechs. One is fintech lenders that you see um, in the market. And then there are also fintech software companies like Amount that play uh, in this area. So, um, so I guess the one thing you know, to note first is what fintechs are really good at. I think as technology companies I think they can move much faster um, in, in general than, you know, traditional banks. Um, and then they're all able to build technology um, to scale and provide a great customer experience for both the consumers as well as the merchant. Um, and I think that's why, um, you know, the fintech lenders have done incredibly well. They've built 
great consumer and merchant product uh, for scale. But I think if you look at why the banks are going to be uniquely positioned compared to fintech in the long term, I think first one is cost of capital advantage. As you've seen in current macroeconomic you know, economy, where the cost of capital is going up, you know, tremendously, and the banks are in a much better position to provide better pricing due to their lowest cost, cost of capital, which could impact both the interest rate, the rate that consumer sees, uh, as well as what the merchants will have to pay uh, if there's a direct relationship for a merchant discount rate. Um, and then the second one is, we talked a little bit about the, the regulatory environment, but in terms of oversight, you know, banks are in a much better position um, if there is, you know, if and maybe when there's going to be more regulatory and you know, oversight on paying for products. Um, and I think banks are, you know, given they're in a heavily regulated industry and that's something they do today, I think they're going to be able to react, uh, you know, much quicker in any, you know, changes that may come. Um, so if I think about, you know, your question around if they're better positioned to win in this race, I think if I look forward, I, I think what will happen is I think there'll be more consolidation that will happen. Um, there's, you know, there are hundreds of BNPL players that have come in the past two, past few years, um, again, with the you know, rising in cost of capital, you know, merchant discount rate going down and some of the loss rate that you're starting to see go up. Um, I think it's going to be hard for some lenders, uh, fintech lenders to, you know, really survive without, you know, any new equity or investment. Um, and then the second one is, I think there is going to be some adjustment period that will happen uh, with any regulatory changes that, that come. So some of the fintechs, you know, may go into more defensive mode uh, compared to the banks. Um, and this is where the, you know, for the banks, um, they'll look for you know partnership opportunities. Can kind of I I mentioned there are two different kind of types of you know fintechs, whether they're fintech lenders and fintech software companies like Amount, where banks will look to kind of bring their all of their advantages around cost of capital, kind of regular regulatory kind of expertise, as well as the trust and brand that they have. They can partner with uh, you know fintech software companies. Um, to bring the technology to um, to the market, um, you know, with their uh, advantages. So I think we'll start to see more partnership that banks, you know, the partnership model um, is something that we'll see more and more in the industry. I'm just curious because we have spoken that banks are holding back. Is it wise to continue to hold back until regulation comes in? Or is it first mover advantage somewhere here? Yeah, I mean, I think traditionally they've been slower to react. I think some of that has been kind of the regulatory uncertainty, but kind of most of the bank partners that we we work with, um, if not all, have even looked at split pay or paying for product um, as an extension of credit uh, with all of the kind of rules that apply to unsecured personal loans. So they've always taken more conservative approach, um, even without a specific regulatory guideline. Um, and then really depends on, you know, if you think about the banks, I think it really depends. I think it's a little bit more nuanced in terms of getting involved. I think there are banks that have existing relationship with merchants, either through their core brand or private label business. 
Um, and it's really the markets asking for them to participate. So if you have a co-brand relationship with a really large merchant, they're going to look at um, you know, one potentially one relationship that can provide both the card partnership as well as you know some of the alternate payment method like buy now pay later. Um, so for those banks, you know, it's going to be all around continuing to uh, you know establish and continue to build their relationship with merchants partners that they have. Um, and I think that's it makes sense for them to you know go into market and then the. You know, other, you know, maybe more smaller bank partners where, you know, which they may not have a relationship with, you know, merchants through, you know, card program or, or others. Um, I think it's all around providing the consumers another option when they're making a purchase, um, having, giving them a flexibility in payment. I think it's really important. Um, so establishing and continuing to build that financial relationship with the consumer is going to be really important for the banks. Um, so, you know, if you ask me if the, the pace in which the banks have adapted or participate, um, it's been, you know, relatively slow, but I think we're going to see more and more banks participate, um, especially through a partnership model. I mean, you've addressed some of these, but just sort of holistically and going forward, how can we make buy now, pay later work for everyone involved? Yeah. So, I think it's really all around responsible and sustainable lending. You know, when we talk about how we make it work for everyone, first starting with the consumer, it's not really about saying yes to everyone, meaning extending a credit to everyone. I think it's being able to lend responsibly and then, you know, which will actually help the consumer in the long term. And then I think the industry as a whole. Um, so it's giving consumers choice, transparency. So it has to do with, you know, financial education plays a big role. And then I think consumers will continue to want uh, an option and a transparent option uh, that is good for giving them a choice to make. And then for, you know, for merchants, I think it's also important to note that and so giving them, you know, tools to better control their you know, costs of acceptance and then giving them, you know, what they really care about, which is higher, you know, conversion at, at checkout. And then for, you know, for lastly with, for, for banks, um, you know, banks can really help build, you know, trust um, around responsible buy now pay later. And then again, for exploring kind of the partnership model really makes sense because, you know, banks can really bring their strength around cost of capital and trust and their, you know, kind of regulatory clarity. And then, you know, partners like Amount can bring really tech forward innovation that will allow them to compete and provide a really great product for their end consumers. Eric, thank you so much for your time. Great. Thanks for having me.